Hey guys, hello everybody and welcome to SEN Afterlife. Uh, I am Jay Wade, with me once again as usual here, Dean. How you doing, Dean? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Happy to be here, happy to be here. Been a long, hard, brutal week in my relative terms, you know, my, my simple little life. is um. As one person put it on SEN this week, it is getting butt fuck cold here in England. So, oh, we got man, that going on. Here the last couple of days, too. Well, three days ago, it was like 77 degrees. I'm not going to do the conversion because I don't know it off the top of my head. But it was 77, uh, which is pretty damn warm, especially for me. And then the very next day, it was down to 44 so it's like, holy shit, man, my sinuses, my allergies, everything's everything's going to hell, man. I'm coughing, sneezing, all that stuff. It's terrible. Yeah, but, uh, but it's going to be worse. It, it happens every time this year, so we'll get through it. Um, but, yeah, sure, guys, sure. both Dean and I had a lot going on last week, uh, so we, uh, we opted out, took the week off. Uh, apologize for that. Um, but the biggest thing from last week that we missed out on, well, not missed out on, I don't, I would never want to hear about it uh, at all. But um, yeah. Kevin Smet's announcement um, that his diagnosis of colon cancer, um, uh, I don't know. It just, uh, you know, I don't, it's never expected to when someone, you know, reveals news like this. You know what I mean? It's never yeah. any, like, around thinking so and so might be sick. Um, but this one, for some reason, uh, hit me a little bit harder than I think some others might have. Um, a lot of yeah. it is because of what uh, what it is and him being so damn young. And he's, like, right at my age, too. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, what is he, like, late 30s? Or, uh, 41, I believe. 41. Right, yeah. I'm 41 myself, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I uh, to home than anyone would like. Yeah, yeah, uh, very nice guy, very nice guy. Um, uh, I've had I had the privilege of interviewing him for this show. He was our first guest on this show actually last year, uh, right about this time last year uh, when SE and Live started. Uh, we very broke him, or well, you did? Time. What's that? You said you broke him. You had I broke. Sent, put, put, put him over. <laughs> Sorry, I smashed. <laughs> um, but yeah, we just uh, we just thought we'd uh, just talk a little bit here right off the top, and then uh, and then uh, we're gonna play my interview with him from last year. Um, I I found it interesting because it wasn't all schmodown stuff. It wasn't all you know. It uh, I asked him some stuff about you know child acting. Um, he had some interesting little story. Yeah. Um, Mel Gibson stuff like that, and. Uh, talk to him about editing, uh, which is, I had a lot of questions about uh, the editing process. And after going back and listening, I do realize that editors only have so much they can do with movies. And I maybe pressed him a little bit too hard about one thing that bugs me, uh, that bugs me about movies, um, which that thing I'll go ahead and say is like, for example, New Jack City. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie, Dean, but the movie New Jack City there's a scene with Wesley Snipes sitting at the table. They're having their big meeting. Uh, one second, they're on Wesley Snipes. He's got like a diamond earring. They cut to someone else. They do their dialogue. 
They cut back to Wesley Snipes, and he's got a, a big gold hoop earring. That's the kind of stuff that bothers me. Or like if if uh, if we're looking at you, Dean, uh, and you're doing your dialogue, and when you end your dialogue, we see your hands on your head like this, and then it goes to show the back of you and me while I do my dialogue, and your hands are then at your side and not up like this. That kind of stuff, as small as it is, that yeah. really annoys me. Um, have, you seen, have you seen Black Dynamite? Because they make fun of that so much in Black Dynamite. They, um, between a dialogue scene, the, um, this lady's crying, and the tear moves up and down her face as, as the shots <laughs> progress. It's amazing. Oh, no, I've never seen that, man, uh, but I oh, definitely check that out. Michael Jai yeah, White. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, do, do you have anything uh, that you'd like to say before yeah, we man. interview? Yeah, this was um, surprising. Obviously, they, Christian said last was it last week um, that they were going to be, you know, that Kevin had an announcement to make, and obviously the groups and everything are blowing up with oh, what is he? He's retiring from the Schmodown, you know, the usual kind of stuff. And you know, now I guess we kind of. Wish that he was retiring from the Schmodown, which, you know, I guess he's taking a break. But, you know, didn't see this coming. This is out of left field for sure. Obviously not for people in the circle and in the know. But, yeah, and I'm a little bit younger than, than you guys. But, you know, I, I have a habit of um, ignoring, you know, possible signs of ill health. And, you know, we all do it. Um, probably different reasons over here. Because you guys, it's expensive here. But, um, you know, we still have to jump through various hoops and processes to, to get stuff done. And, you know, especially as a man, you kind of feel like there's certain things you don't want to talk about and address, you know, in peer week and all the yaddy, yaddy, yaddy and masculinity stuff. Um, so it was really amazing, actually, to just have Kevin Smith come out hard from the get-go. Like, no, this is about advocacy. This is about awareness. I, I know that, that I, you know, I can't change my body or this thing that's going on right now, but I can change that outlook and, you know, on other people and, and maybe give somebody else a head start where you didn't have one, which was really, really admirable. And wouldn't have expected anything less, really, from, from Smets. I mean, he, he he's only been in the Schmodow, so I've only been familiar with him for two years, however long he's been around in, in this um, community now. And he's just like such a... He's just one of the pop culture icons of the Schmodown already. When, you, you know, he just, you know, really... I know he didn't like the name at first, but really embodied the name. And also let the name kind of inform his persona. And it's just, I don't know, just the stars aligned, I guess, in that sense. And when I think of like, you know, like a a, a person of strength or, you know, wh whether it be physical or, or emotional, mental, Smets is one of the first people that comes to mind. You know, he's up there in my mind with, you know, Chuck Norris to me, which is outstanding to think about. It's somebody I hadn't even heard of two years ago. Um, so, And Kevin Schmitz does the most important thing that any showdown compared 
competitor could ever possibly do. And that is he always likes my tweets. That goes, that goes a long way. Always likes and responds. And even now, actually, because um, I tweeted at him, as I'm sure a lot of people did, when he was, you know, pretty much straight off the back of when he um, made the announcement on SEN. And I didn't hear anything that time. I figured, well, everyone's bombarding him. You know, he's going to have a lot of that to get through and stuff. So I just sent my thing and, and carried on about my day. And I think it was about two days ago. So, you know, half a week later, and all of a sudden he replied to my tweet, which knowing that everyone would have been, you know, sending wishes and stuff as they have been, my one would have been well down in there. You know, it's a, the fact of, I know that he he's taken the time to go through all of those, even when he could be, you know, spending that time with his family. That goes a long way. And again, you know, just embodies, you know, kind of what he's come to represent, I think, to a lot of people and will continue to do so for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Completely agree, man. Yeah. Not good uh, at talking about serious stuff, but, you know, that's why we got somebody like Smets out there spearheading yeah. it for us. And uh, we could just ride his coattails a little bit here to, to glory. So, yeah. Yeah, and I just Thanks, got two Smets. things I'll say before we get into, uh, before I replay this old interview with him. Um, uh, one, as far as Schmodown, when you were talking about the Schmodown and, you know, he's he's a pop icon already in the Schmodown. The first thing that came to mind is um, you could see just a picture of his silhouette only, you know, of him standing there with his fists out and that hood up. It, it, yeah. You could just only a silhouette and you would know that is Kevin Smets. Um, and then yeah. as, as far as it's aside a common from thing in the Schmodown. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely it's one of the to do. No. Um, and then aside from the schmodown, uh, uh, you know, uh, like you said, I being a, uh, you know, being a guy, I do the same thing where I procrastinate, I put off things. And uh, when he was talking, yeah. there were there were some things he was saying that applied to me, and uh, and and same because time. of because of him coming out and talking about it. Uh, I am going, I'm not sure when make they're, they're going to call me and make the appointment. I'm going for a colonoscopy, uh, just to make sure, uh, wow. that everything's all right. Um, I did see my doctor yesterday. Uh, he gave me a, you know, a preliminary exam, I guess, and, and said, you know, probably a good idea to go get checked. So, uh, thank you, Kevin, for that. Um, I had thought about it over the past couple years, but, I mean, until he came out and said that I hadn't really, you know, and even then I was scared, you know, it, it, it's just a scary thing, man. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, thank you, Kevin Smets, uh, for that inspiration for me to uh, get up and, and face it and uh, at least get it checked out and figure out what's going on. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead. We will play the, the interview. He was our first guest here on this show. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. And then Dean and I will be back after that to wrap it up and send you guys out. Uh, but yeah, enjoy Kevin Smets, everybody. Here this is the man. And here we are, everybody. Our first guest on SE and Afterlife is an editor and actor who has worked on films such as The Day After Tomorrow, The Chronicles of Riddick, and Constantine. 
He's also one of the top movie trivia schmodown competitors who will be playing for the Inner Geekdom title on December 7th at the Schmodown Spectacular 4 Live in Los Angeles. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Smets is here. How are you, sir? I'm great, man. That, that's quite an intro. That's funny because people are going to be like, what, Day After Tomorrow or Chronicles of Riddick? And uh, yeah, back in the, when I first moved to L.A., I worked for a company called New Deal Studios. Uh, and they did a lot of miniature miniature effects for things like, uh, I mean, one of the movies we did was Spider-Man 2. And all the company did was drop a giant, like, two-ton piece of metal into a giant pool to capture the water effects for then in the finale when that whole boathouse area goes down. It's like, um, so it's funny. The, the movie they worked on right after I left the company, because I left to start doing editing and stuff, was Batman Begins. They did the, they built the tumbler. And so, like, if I wanted to stay oh, wow. with the year for one more year, I could have worked on Batman Begins, which is one of my favorite movies. So, <laughs> oh man, that but would yeah, have been amazing. Little context about the whole what, why some of those movies I've worked on. Oh man, yeah, I just uh, it was a rainy day here a few days ago. I put on uh, the day after tomorrow, and uh, I like that movie, man. Uh, I like I love disaster movies and Dennis Quaid. It's it's hard to go wrong with him. So yeah, yeah, yeah great movie. Yeah, great movie. Um, and and hell, speaking of the the films in the industry, you know, I'm I'm curious, where'd you get your love of film? Where did that come from that drew your interest into working in the industry? It sounds cliche, but actually, like many people, it was actually Star Wars. And what really got me into it actually was back into film where I wanted to work in it was when I was in high school. I went to the uh, special editor. Sorry, I went to. Um, the opening night with my high school sweetheart at the time, we saw Independence Day, and uh, it was one of only four theaters where they test ran the the special edition trailer where it starts in like as a small TV, and then the X wing flies through it, and it's like coming back to theaters, you know, uh, is you know the Star Wars trilogy, and that kind of reawakened my love for film because like as a kid I was doing child acting and all that, but I I was kind of looking forward to getting out of that for a while and just being like a kid again or at least being a high school kid. And so, but uh, right around like junior or senior year, like, yeah, my love for kind of film got back into it. And then that's when I knew I wanted to go to film school when I went to college. And then the rest is kind of history, but it was star Wars. So everybody, you know, it's cliche. A lot of people say star Wars inspired me, but it's the same for me. No, it, it, you, like you said, it sounds cliche, but it's just, it's the absolute truth. So, you know, uh, it's like that for so many people. And yep. What you, you were, child act i know you were in newsies correct yeah i was in newsies which is it's funny because i thought I, I could get away with that um for just the insiders <laughs> that knew me when i said that line at chandrew and emma didn't let that opportunity pass and i when i storm <laughs> off like she she totally says it and which was funny because then i get met i was getting messages all week like dude you were in newsies and I'm like yep but yeah i did a, i was always the kid that almost got the part like i remember i tried out for the like the third RoboCop movie, and I was like at the last callback, but they ended up going with another kid. Um, I tried out for Home Improvement, that show with uh, yeah, yeah, and I I was I I made it several several rounds in, but I did for the J Jonathan Taylor Thomas part, but I didn't get it. It's just so funny, like like sliding doors, what my life would have been if I would have gotten the part. <laughs> I was in Home Improvement. I probably wouldn't be on the Schmodown. I wouldn't know half the friends that I know now. So. I'm kind of blessed with where I'm at. So, yeah, it's funny how that works. Well, what would have been the biggest role that you almost gotten? 
Uh, I there's a movie called Man Without a Face starring Mel Gibson, and I was a finalist between me and two other kids, and each of us had a day to go on the set of Far Forever Young and hang out with Mel Gibson. Uh, and I, the day I went, they were shooting a really complicated scene in that movie where he was like flying a plane, but pretending like he's flying a plane in a treehouse, and Mel Gibson couldn't like get the lines right or whatnot. And so I think also when he first met me, he just realized I wasn't the kid for the lead part because he just probably saw me. He was like, no, he's either too young or because it was supposed to be that we would hang out with him on set and he'd get to know me. And I think I, I had lunch with him or I think I had lunch with him or I had like a, a, a whatever, like a break with him. It was, but it was, it was shorter than I anticipated. And then uh, I was later told that he was doing it with the, uh, he was going to have the same kind of day on set with two other kids um, but what was cool is one of the kids, there was like, Elijah Wood was in that movie. And then there was this other kid that was in it too, that I knew from like auditions and stuff as a kid. So I got to hang out with him and, and Frodo for a little bit when we had like our lunch <laughs> break, um, and stuff. But oh, yeah, that I, sounds I great. The part. and then none of, none of the other two kids got the part. He ended up going, uh, with, um, uh, oh, funny. Now I can't, uh, remember the name and it's a schmodown. It would be a Schmodown question. Nick Stahl. He ended up going with Nick Stahl for Man Without a Face, who he discovered, and it wasn't any of the kids he met on set. So, like, it probably just was like, not none of these guys, and then he discovered Nick Stahl. So if I would have gotten that part, who knows, then maybe I would have been John Connor in Terminator 3. <laughs> you know, you never know. Uh, you never know, man. <laughs> yeah. So you got to watch Mel Gibson work, and and you said you he couldn't remember some lines and whatnot. Yeah, it, it was sounds really like if you see that tree scene, he's like trying he he had to know where everything was on a real airplane, and he I actually ran the lines with him as the other kid, and I think he was testing me there, but also he was having trouble. It was just a bad day. It wasn't an easy cake day like a scene in the kitchen, um, right. and he was having a lot of trouble um, just remembering where each of the because he was play pretending in the tree. And he, and I just remember he had to like figure out, well, this is there. And, and it was just like, oh, you know, because he wasn't in a plane, he couldn't be like, there's the altimeter. There's the, so he had to remember all these plane terms, but he wasn't looking at it. He was just looking at a fake tree or whatever, a tree house. So, um, he was having a lot of trouble there. And yeah, that's funny. I don't think I've told many people that story that you can have a little scoop there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm curious. Do you remember how, how was his demeanor? Like, did he handle it? Like, was he trying to keep himself nice. composed or was he getting upset or anything? No, he wasn't upset at all. And he was super nice to me. I could tell he was frustrated, but he was super nice. The other thing that I remember is I just didn't, I didn't know he was Australian or whatever or whatever. I forget what he is, but um, I just always thought, cause I was a kid. I always thought like, Oh, like he, he's like, you know, in lethal weapon, he, he's American or whatever. And so when I first met him and he had the accent. I remember that threw me off, but yeah, no, he wasn't getting frustrated. He didn't show any signs of, you know, later when you see videos of him pissed off, he didn't throw a Christian bail on set. How about that? <laughs> oh, thank God too. being a kid with the kids around that really wouldn't go over. Well, back then I'm sure not many people would think twice, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so then you, you'd moved on past the acting a little bit more and you got into the editing. Um, what was your first job, uh, as an editor? You know, what, where was it and what was that experience like? Well, I went to film school first and I was, the idea was to be a director like everybody wants to be. Um, and that was really like something that I wanted to do. Um, but then, uh, I realized like, I didn't like being on set as much as I liked being in the edit bay. I liked putting it all together. And so. I kind of gravitated towards that. I still directed, like I directed a civil war movie in film school and then a sci-fi one. 
and then kind of moved on. But I love the editing process of that more. So when I kind of, when I graduated film school, um, it was rough finding jobs at first because that always is. Um, and I was going more for, I was getting, uh, I was doing more of like going, doing PA works. And just like I said, when I was working in the miniature effects department and stuff like that for New Deal Studios. Um, but I always kept my eye on trying and I got music videos on the side and stuff like that. But it wasn't until, uh, I stepped away for a little bit and then I lived in Austin for a spell. And then my friends were trying to get me to come back. Uh, and, and, uh, a, a buddy of mine, Greg kind of, got me back in. I mean, once you, once you get in, in the editing world, it's kind of editors, hire editors, they always say. And that's how I've known Rachel. I met her on a show, but like Rachel's gotten me work. I've gotten Rachel work. Like it all works out where it becomes like a a small bubble. So it's hard to get in, but once you're in, you're kind of set. And my friend just wanted me so bad to get out of Austin and go back to California. Cause he was like, what are you doing over there? Like you should come back here and like do what you're meant to do. And so he got me my first job and then the rest is history. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Now, it, now editing. Do you come in only at the end of the process, or are you are you ever there during the filming and whatnot to see how that's going in order for preparation for editing, or is that just after it's all shot? Then that's where the editor comes in. Uh, rarely do the editors come in. Uh, the couple times that I've gone to set was uh, just if they wanted us to see a vibe. It wasn't usually. It was for special shows though, like. I went to set and I was in the van for a couple prank shows that I did. So like I would have to be in the van with all the camera operators, but they wanted the editors in there to make sure they, we could see ahead and be like, dude, I'm going to need a shot of that guy. Like, why aren't you filming him? You know? So it was kind of like I would take the pseudo director role in the van, even though there was a director. So the director could concentrate on feeding lines into the actors. And then I was just kind of in control of all the cameramen telling them where to go. That That's one of the only instances that I've really been on set. Usually we can, we kind of get brought in towards the end of the process while they're still shooting, we start editing earlier episodes or when they're all done. And, and that's that's great. I just thought of something, and you're the perfect person to ask this about. Now, I have a huge issue with – now, I, I have no problem, you know, uh, enjoying movies and whatnot, but I notice little things. Uh, example, I notice if a camera is on someone and just as it cuts away, they're moving their hand up to their face – then the next time it cuts back to them, their arms are behind their back or their necklace is different than it was two seconds ago. Like I noticed those things. Um, Is there, and it kills me now. Granted, I, I don't know anything about editing uh, films or anything like that. So this, this is just a guy who is a movie fan. And from what I watch, but is there any way to remedy that? Like why, in my mind, I'm like, man, they should hire me to sit on set and watch these things and say, nope, wait a minute. When we just saw him last, his necklace was down at this angle or his yeah, hand yeah. was at this position. What is there any way to remedy that? Uh, that happens a lot more in scripted than, well, in reality, it happens a lot too. And you just have to deal with it. It's funny you say that because like I remember as a kid, I used to read these cool books called film flubs where like they would call attention to things like that. And you know, it's like, oh, that's funny. That's a film flub. But now, like, that's basically what my job is. Like, we'll just get notes like, oh, she's walking down. Like, I just did. I worked on it. I'm working on a show right now. I can't really say what it is. But like, um, in one shot, this guy, you know, because they you take footage from all over and then you put footage here and there. So you shoot things out of order or whatever. And one of the shots I used, uh, I had to get reminded like, hey, the guy's not sitting on the chair back there, the security guy or whatever. 
he needs to be sitting there. And so I, I couldn't use that shot. And that would have been something that you would have caught because you would have been like, hey, the guy's not, he was this there, the right previous shot, you know? Is it? I don't know. Is I just still don't understand how that can be let, how that can get past uh, the final. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too, am I being too picky? Uh, no, I mean, you're not being picky, especially in scripted. You want to see it. The thing that I always catch all the time is what was called lip flap. And a funny thing is lip flap is basically when on the reverse, like if I ask you a question and then um, you answer it right away, but then in post, they want you to delay for like a second, they'll have to roll back. It's hard to explain without showing, but in order to extend your pause, they'll have to roll it back. So then they have your face while I'm still talking to create that artificial pause. But if you can see the side of my mouth moving, while there's no audio being played, most people that don't follow, they'll just look at your face and they'll be like, they don't see the lip flap. But when you're an editor, you see it all the time. And because we have to look out for it and I see it all the time on the show friends. Like, so even big shows and sitcoms, you'll see it. That just means you have a good eye for it. But yeah, I don't think you're being too picky, but I mean, for large ones, like the necklace moved or the glass was half empty and now it's full. I think there's one that always bothers me speaking to inner geekdom in, in the Wolverine where uh, when she, when he's talking to Mariko, like they're, there's a uh, the chopsticks that are stuck in the food, and then the very next shot they're not stuff like that. I'll always see, you know. Yeah. Man, that that just oh, that gets under my skin. And there's so you know, oh, I could talk about this one for a long time. <laughs> yeah, well, don't let it get under your skin, pal, because sometimes it just can't be avoided. Especially if you see it in scripted, though, like they should do better to like look out for that. And there, there's people's jobs on set to notice that, but yeah. And well, they should hire me. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of editing, and we're going to use this as a segue into uh, into a little bit of SEN live talk and uh, sh- some schmodown talk as well. But um, Christian starting this new SEN live uh, show on the on the SEN. Uh, well, it's the Schmodown Entertainment Network. It's hard not to say the SEN Network, but then you're like, well, the N stands for network. Um, yeah. Good job, Christian. More like ATM <laughs> machine, automated yeah. teller machine machine. That's like when people say, oh, I got to go to the ATM machine. Like they're, they're repeating the, the M word. It's funny. Yeah. We'll, we'll just blame that one on Christian, huh? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, but on his on his last day, there was a great video that you put together with uh, with Jonah Gallegos, and it, it's just he's a great uh, musician. Um, his songs that I've heard him do for Collider Live are just great. How did all that come together? You're working with him on that video because it was a yeah. great video. Oh, thanks. Uh, I I just had heard about that video, so kind of just wanted to uh, put images to it. You know what I mean? And so we knew we wanted to do something special for Christian's last last day so kind of linked up that way and uh, the rest is history yeah that was great great thank, thank you. you very much from myself and the fans too and it was hard pull the, the funny thing is just finding all the footage because like kind of remember things and you know i was going for like the big fish so i was like looking for his first ever you know first ever collider live first ever jedi council and then kind of filling in the blanks there you know what i mean it's kind of it's hard yeah. when you edit all day for a job and then you go home and do it again so, you know, it took, it took a little bit, but uh, it was fun. It was, I was happy to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again. That was awesome. I've watched it a couple times. So oh, really thank good. Thank you very much. And w- what do you think of this first week of the SEN live so far? Oh, it's been great, dude. Like I, yeah. I, I, 
I knew about this kind of, it's kind of been a long time coming. So, you know, I really want it to do well. And I like the idea of merging because I remember when they merged the movie trivia showdown with, uh, when the, the matches started going back on Schmoville page or whatever the Schmoes know. And it was like, Oh, are they going to stop doing that? And now it's kind of a blending of both, which is great. Um, and I appreciate, uh, that and like send live. I mean, you're not, you know, you get send live and you don't have to stop supporting Collider Live, even when they're on the same time. Like you can choose to listen or watch one one day and the other the other day or whatever you want to do. And you could listen to both later. Like, um, and so, you know, but supporting Christian and, you know, I wanted to, any, I told him, you know, from the, from the get go, anything he needs for the network, I'll be there. And we got a show in the works too, which I can't really talk about. Um, but yeah, so it's, there's a lot of fun things in store and I mean, this is just the beginning, you know what I mean? He's just getting underway. There's going to be so much content and so much, uh, so much greatness that's going to be merging, um, the whole Schmodown world with the Schmo's No world and the Schmoville and the history and old people coming back and the, you know, the, the, the old, con- this, it's going to be great for new fans and old fans, you know? Oh yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Um, uh, especially just the 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 crew that he's got lined up here with Kate and Winston. That's just that's gold. Brett, solid gold. RB three, you can't beat that. Uh, I mean, you can't see him, but you hear that laugh, and it makes you smile. You know, yeah, it's an infectious laugh for sure. Yeah. Now I'm with Ellis as far as that damn schmobit. Uh, I don't that thing. Trauma. Yeah, I'm glad they uh, they toned it down just a little bit, but I do like that thing. That's funny because, like, so on day one, I, I, I know about the robot, and I wanted to throw, you know, it's like when you want to throw money down and just help out your friend. And so I, I just I loaded it up. I hadn't even been listening yet. I just I knew that the robot was going to be active. So I went and I, like, put 20 bucks in, and I just said, like, hey, it's Mets supporting you on a great show. And then I click over the video and I didn't realize that Ellis was having a real problem with it earlier. And so he's like just getting started on another story. And then my, my robot pops up and you just see his face, like, get all pissed. And I was just like, oops, that's, that wasn't my intention for the $20 that I spent. Uh, and so then it was, then it was just making me laugh when people were doing it. But I think I'm i I'm a proponent of the robot only for like small time. It's like a bit, like you should do it for like 10 or 20 minutes an episode. Um, and then like the only thing that would annoy me is like when people are typing in a lot of letters and stuff, cause then you're just hearing like T T S S S S S S S T T T S S Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think even to add to the bit, uh, perhaps turn on the bot when, uh, when Ellis doesn't know, you know what I mean? Like when it's not supposed to be on and let it just, just interrupt him just for shits and giggles a couple times. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> I just I love those guys so much. We're and we're super excited to be covering that show and talking about that show and expanding on it here. Yeah, um, you guys. I mean, you guys used to do you did after live too, right? From the other thing, so it's like a perfect. Yeah, block. yeah. We and that show is still going on. We we split the crew of four and half, and uh, two of us are doing this one now, and. We added a third to the Afterlife crew and got a new host over there, Sarah. So, um, actually, they just interviewed Emma Fife, uh, the, and she'll be on their first episode this week. So, oh, that's yep. great! Yeah, can't wait to hear that. That's awesome. That's yeah, gonna be it's gonna be real good. Um, was uh was wanting to get into some Schmodown stuff here, but before the actual Schmodown, you came up out of the fan leagues and uh, uh what. 
wanted to know if you could tell us all about how you became aware of the Schmodown and then what led you to your decision to join in the fan leagues. Yeah, uh, well, I'm friends with Rachel, and so I told Rachel, like, hey, like, I think when I had I'd known about the Schmodown because of the Schmoes know, and like, I'd followed Collider a lot, uh, Jedi Council especially. And then when they had the Schmodown, I was, and when Rachel, when I heard that Rachel wasn't on it yet, I was like, you, or I just, I forget what the order of things was, but I remember we saw, I think it was Suicide Squad together. So no, it wasn't Suicide Squad. It was an older movie. We would, she sometimes joined a crew of mine to see movies and she said she's going to do the Schmodown. I'm like, Oh, great. And so then uh, I would start following the Schmodown because of her. And then that's how it's, I discovered everything outside of her. And so when I, uh, would hang out with her. I would be like, Hey, I want to come to set sometime. And so I saw her match, uh, when she, Oh man, I'm gonna, I forget. Uh, it's Marquia. I think she played in the beginning of the tournament. Was it the tournament or no? I forget what it was. I, well, the first match I ever saw was when she dressed up as, uh, the girls from, uh, 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 gosh, man, you know, my brain is so in lockdown mode for December 7th, <laughs> non, uh, non the baseball movie with, why well, can't I remember it? Now everybody's going to be oh, like, League oh, of their own. Legal their own, yeah. Yep. So sorry. If if look, if there was warlocks and wizards, as Kaiser said, I would know it because right now my brain is <laughs> saturated in prep for Kalinowski. But yeah, um funny, my head was trying to say this will this used to be our, our playground. Uh but <laughs> that's the song from Madonna. Madonna who won an Oscar for her song in Dick Tracy, which is IG. See, so my brain is on one way. But anyways, um yeah, I went and I saw the Shire Wolves, Shire Wolves match when uh they did that, and that was awesome to see. Um, and then I kind of, so I'd been on set and I met Christian briefly and then I, like, she could have gotten me like an audition. Like I was like, you know what? I want to support the Patreon. And so I did the, like the Patreon tier where you do the audition and I knew that it would help me out that I knew Rachel and that I met him on set. But I also thought that gives me kind of a doubly chance if I also do it the right way and actually pay for the Patreon, uh, for two months to actually earn my audition. And so I did. And then the audition, to be honest, not a lot of people know it. It was actually for Star Wars. I didn't train or anything for IG. I was pretty locked in at Star Wars at the time. And then, uh, yeah, and I wanted to do it in character, which kind of bit me in the butt also because I was focusing on the character too much and not the trivia. And then also, <laughs> I think that that's at the early stages too, where I think Christian realized he had something special. Well, it wasn't early. He already knew. But I think one of the reasons why it didn't fly also was – you know, you can't really be Macho Man and be, that's not a character that like he could promote because th- there was already one. You know what I mean? So there right. was no shelf life for it, but it didn't help me that like for Star Wars, I did okay. I think I did, I did seven out of 10 for Star Wars. Um, and I missed like a, I, it wasn't, it was just, I don't know. I think I just wasn't taking it as seriously to be honest. And then he was like, well, why don't you do IG? And then for IG, um, I did about the same, I think seven out of 10. It's not terrible, but. I think he was wanting me to be lights out, especially at that point. Every, it was, he was getting ready to do the IG tournament, but I didn't come in to do IG. Like I was trying to do Star Wars and I just remember, you know, he was like, well, there's not many Star Wars matches. So you might want to do IG. And I was like, well, let's do it. Like, let's try that. And then, um, but since I didn't light anything up, he didn't want to necessarily turn me away because, you know, I still did okay. It was, you know, what would it be? That would be 14 out of 20 questions total. But I just don't think he, he, I think he need, I think he wanted me to, to get, figure out a way to do a different character. I think he knew that the Machimo man wasn't going to work. And then, you know, I just, I wasn't ready at the time. Like I missed questions that I probably should have gotten right. Um, I think maybe actually for Inner Geekdom, I did six out of 10, which, you know what I mean? That's just not good. At that point, he's getting ready to do that tournament. Um, and so, yeah, he sent me the fan leagues about, he just, I, I think he wanted me to get sharper. And uh, I think he still had designs 
on getting me in there at some point. And then, yeah, uh, right, right, right away I had a success in the fan leagues and I kind of sent him progress as I was going in. And then when I was three, zero, uh, that was around the time that he said, yep, you're in. And, uh, that was, that you know, that's when I started my journey to the Shmodown. Now, now, do you plan on jumping into the Star Wars division this coming season? Is that anything you've thought about? Yeah. Um, look, uh, if you ask me, yeah, I mean, I, dude, I say never say no to a challenge. Um, the truth be told, if scheduling worked out this year, there was a point at some point during the season, I can't really say when, but um, that I would have had a shot at, at being in a Star Wars match, and it just didn't work out schedule-wise. Um, and at this point, when I was planning on doing it, I, I'm a very uh, rigorous uh, studier, obviously. I planned uh, what my training would be, and it was, you know, I, I don't want to get too into details. I don't want to rocks you to yell at me, but uh, <laughs> and I, I had like a schedule on, on a calendar, and I think it would get it would get me up to shape. It's funny um, in IG matches right now, I've missed a lot of Star Wars questions. I think more than any other question, like my accuracy for every other category is really really high, but I've missed a lot of Star Wars, and it's because I have had so many years of loving and knowing Star Wars that it was more important to me to cover the other categories that I haven't watched my entire life. But that what happens when you do that is you start missing some of these little small details and stuff like that. Um, but that doesn't scare me away from Star Wars. I played along uh, the Chicago match, the Chicago Star Wars match. It, I had a lot of confidence playing along. I did pretty well, um, but you know, they're getting deeper and deeper. And some of these questions in that most recent one in the Andrew. Oh my match, gosh. Yeah, that's where I'm just like. Yeah, ah, I yeah. I quit trying at a certain point. I just I just kicked back and enjoyed the show. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, for anything I do, I want to go full bore. And I, the only thing about you know, is you know, you go all in on that. You have to focus so much time to know all the minutia, and but that's not making me a better player necessarily in the other divisions. If I wanted to go into the singles or tag, or if I wanted to go, if keep going with IG, you get really focused, but it would everything else would kind of fall by the wayside. So. Um, look, if, if he ever says, Hey, I want to put you in a star Wars match. You want to do it? Like for sure. We'll say Kaiser and I like, we'll turn the trivia dungeon into the trivia death star. You know, that's what we say. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and well, y- we'd said a little bit earlier about, uh, about your big inner geekdom title match coming up. Um, uh, that, la- that loss you had to Mike was a rough one. Um, curious if, uh, if you've changed your study, techniques at all in order to uh try to make your way back from that and take this title well if you notice and i won't get into what i well i mean everybody knows like um you know earliest matches where you can see that oh this could be a problem actually and just to lift the curtain a little bit after my match against jay if you remember in the second round i was answering the harry potter questions and i was interrupting the questions answering them quick and Rachel, mm-hmm. who's a friend, after saw that she was in the studio, and she's like, "Look, you're not, you don't get more points because you answer them quicker. Like you, ne- you never know, you might not know the last word of the question changes the question." Um, and so I kind of heeded that, but honestly, you know, really I didn't because obviously when when it got to the "Don't tell Harry, don't tell Peter" question, I could have taken more time. So to answer your question, the the one thing I've done, and you can see it in my Lavic match, but more so now in my Chandra because you can actually see closer shots. There were questions that I knew. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example if you ever want to go back. The Pepper Potts question. I knew it when the question was being asked right away, and the old Kevin would have said it right away. But I stopped, shut my eyes, and I replay the scene, and then I say it. Um, there's no way. Oh, I mean, never say never, of course. 
but uh, I'm going to lose because I don't know a question. I'm not going to lose because I flubbed or messed up a question. Uh, that won't happen again. And that goes with how I've trained and how in my study tactics, I've allowed me uh, to train my brain to uh, recall moments. And I, that's not a, a necessarily a secret that I care that's out there, but yeah, um, this time it's more about taking my time. Um, and I think also at, at collision, like, you know, just the lights and stuff like that, you know, even though it was in the studio and I've had many matches in the studio, it was kind of the first big match I really was in. So yeah, I think the lights got me. That's when I missed that gimme, uh, in the first round too. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, long story short, the training that I've done, I've had exercises, uh, that the same ones that I did before Kalinowski, but now when I'm trying to pull the answer, even if I know it, uh, I have this thing that I, you know, the more you do something, it's repetitive, it starts becoming, you know, a habit. And so that's what I've been doing. Now, but in that last match that you did have with Chandru, uh, in the second challenge, how tense was that in the studio? And, because he didn't seem very happy about that. And I was sitting there like, just imagining how intense that must have been. Uh, how was that feeling during the during the challenge, that second one there? Yeah, so in the Chandra match, like, yeah, that's got to be, that's got to be rough. Uh, you know, as far as the challenge goes, you know, he said the first name uh, and then I, I knew I was behind or I, I forget where we were at, but like, you know, I was just reeling from doing opponent's choice and getting who said it, which is everybody's dreaded category. And so then he was just rolling through because he got spinner's choice. So for me, um, you know, I wouldn't call it a hail Mary, but I, I would call it that I played the game. Um, and that's something that I wouldn't have done in the past. And I think that's just uh, with the, uh, a little more of, uh, you know, getting reps in. And I've been in a lot of uh, exhibition matches too. So I think that was around my ninth or 10th match. I forget as a rookie, which is, you know, which kind of makes me feel like a vet, but uh, right when he said the wrong name, I was, I knew, um, you know, he paused. And then right when I was like, I challenged it, like right after he said the second name, I challenged it. And for me, it was like playing the game. It was like, look, I might not get that challenge. Um, and, and I still felt confident in the third round that I would, I would get all of my questions right in the third round and then we'd be tied, but I kind of wanted to put me in a position to win. So it was kind of like a Hail Mary, uh, not a Hail Mary. That's the wrong word, but it was like a, look, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to push his buttons a little bit and see if that challenge goes through. And it did. Um, and then I think he was so rattled that he didn't catch the, the Sectrum Sempra. Uh, and I don't think anyone in the studio did. And like people, uh, they say you need to pay attention, but it's like, you're not like some of you guys don't understand when you're in the studio. Like I said that fast, like when I watch it, like I can, you watch it on the show and you can hear the spectrum, but like, that was just me, you know, that was just a flub on my part, but because Chandler was so upset about it, he couldn't call it. He was probably still upset and reeling from the challenge. He either didn't hear it or didn't catch it. And that's why Chandler is going to be really challenging when he gets a manager. Cause I think a manager that knows Harry Potter would catch it. If he gets a manager like Dagnino or someone who doesn't know, but let's say Emma's his coach, Emma probably would have called it out. So um, that, that went in my favor and that was just me playing the game. It was like, all right, I know I had, I know my trivia, but because of spinner's choice and opponent's choice, I'm a little behind here. I, I, and you know, I was just trying to figure out how I can get my way back into a position to win in the third round instead of tie. And uh, he, he just the blessing in disguise as he said, the wrong name. And it's funny. He said in the post interview that he wasn't sure if it was between, uh, you know, Ariana or, uh, Air, I forget what the first the Arian or whatever he said. Um, and he almost went to multiple choice. And if he would have done that and got it right, yeah. then I would have still won. And then there, then the comments wouldn't be littered with how much, 
of, 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 of you know, justice for Chandu or all the people that are like, oh, he got screwed. So I kind of wish he went to multiple choice, got it right. So then I would have still won in the third round. But the way it went, like, you know, you kind of have to play the game. And sometimes it means, let me see if I can get this win out um, any way I can, you know. But uh, for me, I, you know, I wouldn't do a challenge to, like, call someone out or, like, to annoy them or anything like that. Like, that's not, right. you know, I knew there was an opening there. I knew that it can be a debated thing. And so I just went with it. You know, there was an opportunity. You got to take it. Yeah, it was a solid challenge. I would have made it, too. So. Yeah. I'm happy with rolling. I think the, cause it's like, if I imagine if I said, uh, in collision, uh, don't tell Peter, don't, don't tell Harry, like, or if there was a pause, I didn't do the pause enough, but it's like, if I said, don't tell Peter, don't, don't tell Harry, like, I, I think Kalinowski would challenge, I think anybody would. And you got to do that at that point. Yeah, for sure. You had mentioned about, we were talking when, you know, what got us into that asking about your training. Uh, technique and whatnot, and you'd brought up Roxy, didn't want to say too much to uh, upset her. Um, <laughs> actually, I wanted to ask you, Roxy has criticized Kaiser's managing of you many times on Collider Live. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on her criticism of him, and is there any validity to it at all? No validity at all. Um, I think she's just doing her job, and she wants to get she wants to get manager of the year. That was at a time where she was in real good position with, uh, you know, uh, Snyder, you know, there was a feud there, um, between her and Kaiser and, uh, Snyder going after the belt from Ayama in New York. So around that time, like I get it. Um, I, but also it was a little bit of Roxy being my friend. Cause you know, behind the scenes, like my conversations with her, she's always looked out for me. And, uh, you know, she, she has noticed that, you know, like uh, that I would talk, you know, when you're young and you're excited and you want to talk to down with the other competitors, it's easy to forget like, Oh, you might face them someday. You know what I mean? And so, um, she, she was really jumping on that. Um, but we had a really good heart to heart. She'd even say it at, at San Diego at comic con, like the night before my match where she kind of opened my eyes up a little bit. And I've really been tight lipped since then, um, to other competitors and, uh, you know, just keeping it in with the dungeon, um, but yeah, so I owe her a lot. Like she's, you know, she's been great. And, you know, like there's, I have nothing bad to say about Roxy. And I think Roxy was laying into Kaiser early on because, you know, the, you know, it was trying to, to knock Kaiser off the, because that was a competition for her to, to get yeah. Andrew here. You know what I mean? So, Definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the advice that Roxy's given me, there's been some great advice. And so I'll always appreciate her. That's lifting the veil. That's lifting the curtain a little bit. You know what I mean? But yeah, as far as her, you know, her criticisms of Kaiser, I don't think they're, they're warranted at all. Kaiser breaks my balls. He, but he's my brother. So like she didn't, she would always quote like how I was going on the diet and Kaiser would be like, no, you're going to have a beer with me. And it's like, you got to support him going on the diet. It's like, yeah, like I want my personal trainer to support me doing my diet. But if my, my best friend, my buddy is going to yell at me and be like, no, you're going to have a beer. And I'll say no to the beer, but that's just us playing. And she cites that that was like a, that was just him being him. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't change that for the world. Like this draft coming up is, is great and it's going to be exciting. But, you know, I can't imagine doing the Schmona without Kaiser. Like we came in, we decided we were going to come in as a duo and take over. You know what I mean? So, uh, I really want us to stay together. And I mean, the way to do that is to beat Mike at spectacular. Yeah. And good luck with that too. Uh, rooting for you. Um, well, we interviewed John Roca last week for uh, for Afterlife, um, 
it was uh it was a great great interview and uh we got a little clip here I'm going to play um I had asked Roca other than Dagnino who he would want to draft him next season. Uh now you know he said a few people listed a few names but his final answer in the end to that question um going to play it for you here and get your reaction on the other side. All right. I think Kaiser would be a fantastic manager for me. I got to know him in Orlando a little bit more. We were sitting at the gate just having a conversation, and I just I like his vibe. He's a good dude, and I think we'd have a lot of fun. I think if he managed me and Smets, holy mackerel, those promos <laughs> would be would be off the charts. Oh. Smets and I, in me in the dungeon, oh, my God, say goodnight. That would be just fantastic. Well, now, uh, what do you think about that? Roca's the man, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the promos would fire because, like, I, I think I've proven now that I can speak behind the, I can speak on the mic. Um, and we know Roca can, he gets fired and passionate and we know Kaiser can. So like whether we were just in the same faction, but we were all, you know, having our piece, uh, of in the interviews or if we were a tag team or something like that, like, well, we'd bring the promo fire for sure. Uh, Roca is one of those, uh, good men, like, you know, backstage, he was one of the first people to, to come up to me after my flub at collision and say, you know, you know, he's speaking from the guy that did Bespin, you know what I mean? Like it happens to yeah. just trying to let me know it happens to the best of them and then I'll come back. And, uh, you know, he, he was right. So here I am coming back and going to go spectacular. And I appreciate that. Uh, he was there for me. You know, that's pretty, that was a low in my career, my first year here. So he was there and helped bring, it took a while to bring me back up, but he was one of those that immediately was like, get your ass up, man. It's not the end of the world. Um, so I appreciate that. Would I love to be in a, faction with him yeah he would be great in a dungeon like i mean i think it would be fantastic and i think it would uh give him new life and give us new life like it would be quite the right and i think if anything it would just this the, for the promos and the cut scenes and everything it would be very entertaining um but you know he's him and merrill are going to be tough to beat at spectacular and you know how the draft goes yeah. Uh, you know, gets to keep them. So yeah, I don't want to root. I don't, I never want to root for anyone to, cause he's a good dude. So like, it's funny. I want to root for him to come into the dungeon in order to do that. He would have to lose it spectacular, but do I want him to lose it spectacular? I don't know. You know, so, but I appreciate those nice words from the outlaw and I know Kaiser does too. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. You never know what happens. And, uh, to, uh, to close out our discussion here, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Roca. Um, other than Kaiser, who would you want to draft you next season? Oh, no one but Kaiser. Come on, man. Um, oh, come on, man. You, I mean, you can, you can set it aside that perhaps Kaiser steps down to a, a fake scenario here. There's well, got to be a manager scenario, out there. Fake scenario, Kaiser steps down, not for nothing. Um, I think uh, as managers, like I would say <laughs> probably just because of like the pro wrestling aspect of it would be Jay. Jay, you know, is a wrestler and has that like fiery like promo work uh, as Bud being a wrestler. And obviously when Kaiser and I came in, we kind of were like, hey, we're going to be like wrestlers. It's like if you see our character, we're literally 80s villain wrestlers like we we have that the, the, the swagger and the bad guysness but we also have that little bit of humor that we like to have and that's kind of like from the old bobby heenan style of being a heel where you, you want to you hate him but you still love him because he's funny and that's where kaiser kind of draws a lot of that but um and then being that badass like the road warriors but i would say jay would be a good fit if only for the promos but then as far as games go i would also go dagnino because i think dagnino is like 
well, first of all, just talking game with him behind the scenes. He's like really smart and he's been there since the beginning. And I think he, he does such good work as a manager as far as strategy and, you know, the wheel and catching people for challenging stuff like that. So like if, if I wanted to like for promo work, I would go Jay. And then as far as for game and like who I think would benefit me and help me, you know, in each game setting, I would go Dagnino for sure. Yeah, man, those are some solid answers, man. Uh, Jay would be great for sure. And, uh, I mean, Finstock's great. You just, he's so fun. You can't really go wrong there either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think either of those, I mean, I think all the managers are good. Like, honestly, I just hope the, to bring the title home to the dungeon. And then that's not going to be a question because, you know, character wise and just me, uh, personally, like I came into the league with Kaiser and I kind of want to continue doing that. So I think it's a little early to break up the dynamic duo just yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And we, uh, we hope to see you and Kaiser sticking together. And, you know, like you said, we don't hope for anyone to lose specifically, but if things were to fall that way, eh, I think it's okay to hope for Roka to maybe join the dungeon. So that'd be great. That'd be fun. We would be a squad. Um, our, our goal for the dungeon is to keep everyone together. Um, you know, uh, if you see the dungeon fan page, uh, it's all of us right after Oyama's win. Like, uh, you know, you know, I think early on when we were all paired, we weren't sure how that was going to fit. You know what I mean? Because, like, you had Oyama with the glasses and, the you know, coming from the families. Then you have Zip. And and then you had me as a totally different character in the IG. But it's really kind of put together well. Like, you know, when you see us all on camera together, I think it's, like, a good fit. So I'm I'm really excited for Oyama coming in. It's spectacular. I love that, uh, they're, you know, the, some of the two of the titles are going dungeon heads. Or, you know, the dungeons going after two of the titles. Oh, we have one of the titles. But we're going after the other one. We could have, we could potentially have two of the two of the four belts by the end of the night. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Um, and yeah, once again, uh, good luck on that match. Uh, definitely going to be looking and su- supporting for you, man. Um, hope Thank you kick some ass and, and bring that title uh, yeah. to the dungeon. That'd be great. Be fantastic. And that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do my best, man. Uh, it's about a month out, so. Uh, I know Mike's working hard at it too. Uh, this is a different story coming into this match. Like, you know, I, I know Mike has a respect for me and I have a respect for Mike. So, um, you know, I think this, the build to this match is going to be great. And I think that, uh, uh, the night and the energy there and that, I mean, I remember the energy at Collision. It was, it was insane in that small studio sitting down and waiting for them to say, all right, let's get ready to schmow down. Um, and so it's the, the live crowd in LA. It's like the sequel match. Like that's going to be, it's going to be great, man. Yes, it will be. And so everybody go out there. And if you're in the LA area, if there's tickets left, I'm not sure if there are any left, uh, but find some way to get there. At least watch it. You can stream it online, uh, via Patreon. I believe, um, unfortunately I'm not a Patreon. I'm not in that that class of people, sadly, but uh, I'm definitely going to be getting the live stream for this spectacular. That is 100% in the books. Um, So everybody get that and uh, be sure to support Smets out there. Um, He's going to kick some ass for sure. And thank you again for your time. We really appreciate it. It's been a blast, man. Got a lot of good stuff here, a lot of good conversation. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, man. It was great. And uh, anytime. You guys can get Kaiser on here, too, and you can have a couple laughs. He's always great, too. <laughs> Sounds great. We will definitely reach out to him for sure. All right, man. I appreciate it. You have a good uh, – yeah, have a good rest of the show. Uh, get 
Uh, hopefully you're not uh, inundated too much with so many afterlife shows you got to do. But I know you said you split the crew, but good luck with that. And uh, you guys are great. I'll, I'll keep listening. All right. Sounds good. And uh, we will be back here after a short pause for some promos from other Merc with a Movie blog podcasts. Hey, guys, uh, we're back from that special uh, special replay of that interview with Smets. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, uh, great guy, like I said, very generous with his time, very generous with more than just his time uh, for, for, you know, from what I from what I understand and from what you said, Dean, he uh, he's he's good about communication with folks, even if he doesn't really know them that well. And that's awesome. Uh, it goes goes to show a lot to his character. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, we're going to get back uh, on Friday. We'll be back on with uh, the rest of this week. We'll cover this week then. Uh, there is one thing I just want to mention that uh, Christian had said something about some cruise shifts coming up in November. So we're definitely going to talk about that and speculate on that Friday as yeah, to what we thought. Um, he might going to be a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll announce it Friday. I don't know. Maybe we'll Maybe. get lucky and we'll actually know. But, uh, but we're at least going to speculate about that. So, And uh, until then, guys, uh, Dean, where can everyone find you at? Um, find me on Twitter at DeanLewis2099. Also, don't forget, you can find the link for Kevin Schmidt's GoFundMe in the description, if we're going to have that in the description there. Yep. Yep. And, you know, click on that, then maybe come check me out on Twitter. But do it in that order, guys. That's me. Yep. yep. And then after you have done both of those things, uh, then uh, go from Dean's Twitter over to my Twitter at jwade1134. Uh, go ahead. Go get me. that rose. What's that? And you can go, go and get, get that rose. Oh man! Oh, tonight's episode of Go Get That Rose is going to be amazing. Sarah and I were talking with each other during the whole episode last night of Bachelorette. We have a lot to say. Uh, one of my tweets uh, about it was, uh, and I tagged Claire in it, uh, who is the Bachelorette, and was like. Um, there, there is no your truth. There is only the truth, and the truth is you're rude as fuck. Um, wow. So I've got a lot to say about what's going on on Bachelorette. That'll be fun. Um, wild, yeah, guys. Check it out. Yeah, check that out for sure. And also follow Movie Blog, uh, at Movie Blog Merc, uh, to follow Merc with the Movie Blog on the Twitter. You can also find them on all your podcasting platforms and on the YouTube so uh, be ready for uh, be ready for Friday, guys. Because if we don't find out what's going on in November with cruise ships, then we're gonna have some heavy speculation. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna get deep into it and try to figure out what's going on here and yeah. why. Are, are people in trouble? Did somebody get in trouble for eating? Kate had a meeting at four o'clock the other day. An eating and, meeting. Yeah, uh, and then she wasn't on, and Brett wasn't on. Um, and then we hear about cruise shifts. So, yeah, we're going to get into this. What's going on, guys, and why? Was it the food? Yeah. Was it the food? We'll find out. But, everybody, thank you so much for joining us this week, or uh, this week, uh, this midweek. Uh, we'll see you in a couple days for Friday's episode. Be safe. See out you there. then, guys. Stay safe. Peace out.